Hello, hello, hello. Welcome everyone to Kernels of Truth, uh, brought to you by Progress Kentucky. So we've got a wonderful show for you tonight. Thank you so much for, uh, for checking in with us. We are going to be talking to our co-host tonight, uh, find out what their political sign says. We're going to do our Kentucky political news roundup. Uh, we got a call to action for you, something you should do tomorrow. Uh, we've got a new edition of Doug Price is Right with his compete, uh, Kentucky Impeachment Digest, uh, giving us the deep dive on all things Kentucky impeachment. Uh, and very excited, we've got an interview with State Representative George Brown Jr., who's a member of the House Impeachment Committee. Uh, and then we're going to be honoring May Street Kidd, a former Kentucky legislator. Uh, but first, who and what is Progress Kentucky? So we are, as you might know, we're an all-volunteer campaign. We're committed to advancing a communications and organizing strategy to help connect the dots between the Republican-led policies that harm our state while supporting policy solutions uh, that can move our state in the right direction. You know, actually the left direction probably is more, more accurate. Uh, but we wanna you know, use our live stream and our communications efforts along with boots on the ground organizing projects to build a larger and more informed and involved community of change makers in our Commonwealth. And if that sounds like a campaign that you can get behind, please visit our secure ActBlue website, make a contribution. We've got some grand plans, but they all take some resources. Even though none of us are getting a salary out of it, as I said before, we're all volunteer. Uh, they, you know, the projects take money. So thanks in advance for anything you can do and uh, please do be generous. So, uh, all right. So let's check in with our hosts. Who are you? Where are you? What does your protest sign say today? And of course you there on the internet, we want to see what your sign says too. So please do put it in the chat. Uh, and I'm Aaron. I'm coming to, coming to you from Childsburg, uh, which is on Lexington's Southeast side. That was a bit of a contentious issue. Apparently some people are not sure where Childsburg is on a map with a North, South, East, West on it. Southeast side, that's where that is. Uh, and my sign says, sit down and shut up, Mitch. Sit down, shut up. Uh, all right, that's my sign. Kimberly, who are you, where are you? What's your sign say? <laughs> I'm Kimberly Cecil Jones, and I'm coming to you live from Louisville, Kentucky, home of the Kentucky Derby. And my sign says today, Continue the movement to convict Trump. Amen. Let's do it. Uh, all right. And surprise co-host. Didn't know this was happening until just an hour ago, but always there uh, in the pinch, Doug Price. Hi, I'm Doug Price. I'm coming to you from Harrison County. And... That Harrison County is a home of the 3M plant where all the post-it notes in the world are made. Uh, for my sign, I'm thinking about all the wrecks that are happening out on the snow and the ice. People are going too fast. So here's my sign. Republican legislators, you need to slow down. You move too fast. You're causing, you're wrecking our lives. Back to you, Aaron. All right. Wow. Uh, so going to put some little music symbols on that sign, I guess, to catch the, the musical reference. I like it. Uh, hey, 
hey, you there, Ken behind the board, where are you? And what does your sign say? Well, I'm on the north side of Lexington, uh, just a block away from or so from where the host, uh, Denise Gray, lives, which I'm not going to tell you the address, but, you know, my protest sign it says today, and, and this is because I went to the mall and I got computers and I'm always doing these computer things and crashing and it's, it's wonderful uh, technology. Uh, so, so I went to the, the mall and nobody was wearing a mask. Uh, or, or there were a lot of people not wearing a mask. I don't know why. So my protest sign is wear a mask, wear a mask. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Good one. You'd imagine a year into a pandemic, we would have nailed that part, but apparently no. And I get it. I feel the, the fatigue. I'm done. I am done with COVID. Ah, COVID's not done with us. All right. So let's move on in to the news of the week. Big news this week, of course, uh, as we all know by now, on Saturday, uh, the Senate voted 57 to 43 to convict Trump for inciting an an insurrection. Uh, But despite that clear majority, 57 votes in favor of convicting him on that impeachment charge, he did not get convicted of that impeachment charge. Uh, the House managers were incapable of locating an additional 10 Republicans with a spine. Uh, I'll be honest, I am incredibly uh, disappointed in the Senate right now. Yeah, sure, sure, we, I'm not surprised, but I still get to be disappointed. Uh, and despite McConnell's BSPS, that postscript speech he gave uh, seemingly out of left field, the bulk of the GOP has given up any legitimacy to their always on display claims of patriotism, right? I mean, that's like the GOP brand. We're patriots. The left doesn't really like America. Well, apparently that was garbage, right? So allowing Trump's abhorrent uh, abhorrent and despicable efforts to overturn an election by lies and mob violence rips away our vaunted uh, reverential respect of our supposedly superior democratic institutions. Right. That's, you know, we're the shining city on the hill. No, apparently we are not the shining city on the hill. We are maybe one step above Burma, uh, Myanmar, whatever you want to call it. So then Mitch got up to the lectern uh, and his speech was incredibly remarkable, remarkable in its breathtaking cynicism. How do you pin all the responsibility on Trump moments after you voted to give him a pass? right? That constitutional beard that Mitch pointed to was garbage. The House had, or the Senate had already voted that it wasn't, you know, that it was constitutional to impeach Trump. That's why they had the trial. That vote happened. Uh, so for you to point this, you know, constitutional argument, you know, the majority of constitutional scholars believe that the effort and its historic precursors were indeed constitutional. Let's be honest. Mitch was trying to do one thing with that speech. He was trying to collect his corporate cash again. He wanted those funders back. Uh, we know Mitch is a political animal. He's a political animal who's cornered by the know-nothing racist base that he's exploited and encouraged for years, knowing that he needs both the people and the purse to win, uh, win control of the Senate, win control of the House. He, as we all know, cares nothing uh, about nothing except power. So he needs to bring both those things together. And he knew that he needed to uh, call out that corporate support. Uh, and that was his attempt to get it. That's uh, firmly what I believe. 
what I firmly believe. Uh, meanwhile, Rand Paul, our junior senator, was doodling instead of watching that new security footage that the House managers showed just, just how close to the mobs Senator Mitt Romney and uh, Vice President Pence came while they were evacuating. It was some very, very chilling footage. Uh, also, uh, Rand the Clown was equating the Louisville protests to the violent mob that was shutting down the peaceful transfer of power. Uh, really just some offensive stuff. Rand Paul will not shut up. He is, you know, clearly trying to get on every Sunday news show possible to uh, spread his views and to, you know, court that Trump base. Uh, and it's despicable and it's disgusting. Uh, so Kimberly, uh, you know, I'm sure you watched like all of us and you know, what was going on in the Senate. Why do you think we couldn't get, you know, those 10 additional votes? Well, um no one actually thought that Republicans would actually have a spine, first of all, and getting 10 more of them was just an impossible feat uh, for this particular impeachment conviction hearing or trial or whatever, whatever you want to call it. But the reason why they're so afraid and scared basically is because Trump has made it known to everyone that he wants to start his own party. However, why start a new party when the actual Republican Party is the party of Trump? And they're very scared of their constituency because 47% of Americans are still for Trump. So that's saying almost half of America is still for this man. So why uh, rock the boat, so to speak, and vote to convict him when he still has complete and utter power over these people? Yeah. yeah. Hey, Doug. So, um, what do you think of that kind of what I called it the constitutional beard? So that that argument that Mitch was using, like, oh, my hands are tied, even though Trump is totally, you know, you know, he did this, but we can't impeach him because you know he's he's not the sitting president. Impeachment's just about the sitting president. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's really disingenuous of him because he adjourned the Senate purposely, I believe. So the Senate would not be able to consider it, the, the, uh, the, have the trial. And then he comes out after it's over and says, you can't convict a president who is no longer president. It just, it's just like Mitch. I mean, everything with him he says something out of one side of his mouth, and then later he says something out of his other side of his mouth, and then he's covered because he's made his point either way. Yeah. So, yeah, Mitch is definitely a uh, treason weasel, as our friend Nate likes to say. Uh, and I think that Kimberly might have something she wants to add. Uh, yes, Aaron, I'd also like to add as far as Mitch saying uh, that it was really too late, that actual uh, trial happened too late in the Senate. And I'm going to go back to what Nancy uh, Pelosi said. She definitely said uh, when she made her speech afterwards that it was Mitch's fault. Like, how could he even say that when it was up to him 
when all of the information, the impeachment papers would even come over to the Senate. So once again, like Doug said, talking out of both sides of his mouth and his toenails, so, so to speak, uh, Mitch can never be trusted on anything that he says. The only thing that I do like that he says, and um, I think everyone knows it was a call to continuously uh, take Donald J. Trump uh, in the legal system for conviction. Yeah, he just he wants to wash his hands. He does. He wants someone else to do the dirty work. You know, he just didn't want to make. You know, he never whipped the vote. You know, you know, he though he said it's a vote of conscience. Uh, he knew that you know, any one of his members who are up in a even remotely purple or you know a red state, remotely close to purple, who voted uh, you know to impeach Trump would pay a huge political price. And Trump, you know, Mitch only wants one thing, which is to regain control of the Senate. You know, he wants to be the majority leader. So his math is not about getting 10 more votes to impeach Trump so he can get rid of him. Although I think, you know, I think he absolutely would love for Trump to be, you know, taken off of his hands, right? It's like a, it's a, uh, a Gordian knot that he'd prefer not to be dealing with, but he's not going to do anything to jeopardize his senators and adding seats if possible uh, in two years. So I, I do think, you know, it's remarkable, right? So <laughs> we have... Like, I'm not that old. I'm old. I'm old. Uh, I've lived through three of the four impeachments. Uh, 50% of the historic impeachments were with one president. Uh, the fact that 57 members voted to impeach, that, to convict him, is truly astounding, right? You know, it may, the Senate vote was far more bipartisan than, than the House vote with those 10 House members, right, uh, by percentage uh, this was an incredibly bipartisan impeachment. Uh, so, you know, that Trump, he made history, a historic presidency, that's for sure. All right. So I think our next story coming up, uh, a little bit more about Rand Paul, because who doesn't want to talk about Rand Paul? Huh? Uh, what's up with him, uh, Kimberly? Well, we're going to talk about a mystery bill, and it surely is a mystery. Actually, Rand Paul, he does it again. He has got to be the most ignorant uh, senator in the Senate. And yes, I said that, the most ignorant. Uh, because he constantly does things that shows uh, the basis of his mind or lack thereof. Actually, Rand Paul, he showed up, he gave a testimony on an unwritten bill that addresses problems Kentucky actually doesn't have. This is a cynical effort to write the misinformation Trump has inspired about fraudulent elections. The expectation is that a bill will be introduced this week. And um, the weird thing about it is that uh, Secretary of State Michael Adams has to work uh, with uh, Representative uh, Jennifer Decker from Wadi here in Kentucky. I don't know exactly where that is, but uh, she represents it. And, um, and this is significantly to curtail the absentee voting opportunities that all of us in Kentucky have enjoyed uh, during the past couple of COVID influenced elections. We have, they want fewer days to vote absentee without needing an excuse. They want fewer folks who can take advantage of absentee voting, limiting the ability to request an absentee ballot to exclusively 
folks who can get online to request one. And also simply a few more ways to put roadblocks in front of the voting. But I'd also like to tell everyone that uh, Decker says that she's gotten feedback from county clerks, um, state board of elections, current and former uh, GOP officials. Uh, none uh, that would be democratic, I see. Also, with this, uh, the House Elections and Constitutional Amendments and Intergovernmental Affairs uh, Committees are scheduled to vote tomorrow in Frankfurt on this mystery bill. They used to have a law that they had up to three days, and now the law has gone down to just one day, that they only have one day to present the information uh, to their colleagues in the House just the day before a vote. So Senator Paul, um, he went on a, a Zoom with a lot of the GOP and a lot of the elected officials uh, there in Frankfurt, telling some of the things that he would like to see also introduced, such as uh, he would like to see limits on the Secretary of State of Kentucky and their um, rights on election changes. And also he would like to see also information of purging voters. So that lets everyone know exactly where our US Senator stands. And most certainly it lets us know where our legislatures stand, especially the GOP in Frankfurt. Back to you, Aaron. Awesome. So yeah, that is uh, troubling. One thing that I didn't pick up on that you just mentioned, uh, Kimberly, is that they take the three-day requirement, right? So a bill needs to be out in public uh, and be able to be seen by the public for three days before they vote on it. And the, uh, the Republican House has cut that requirement down to one day. Uh, so, you know, again, just limiting transparency, limiting the ability of the public to know what the uh, what these lawmakers are working on, which is really just uh, a real problem. Uh, I think uh, I think, Doug, you might have something you want to say about this one. You're muted, I think, Doug. All right, I just can't. Um, sorry, go. just a real quick uh, follow up on what Kimberly said. I looked up ignorant in the uh, dictionary and uh, under that it says on the first definition it says a medical doctor who refuses to wear a mask <laughs> the picture of Rand paul was right there huh <laughs> i love that i love he's, that he's had covid that. doug he doesn't have to wear a mask he's had covid says all the research oh wait there is no research okay good to know uh all right hey so we got one more story we want to cover uh, about what's going on in, uh, in Frankfurt. Doug, what do you have for us? Uh, yes, I'm going to talk about the uh, historic racing, horse racing bill update. Uh, they did pass it, and I suppose it's good that the horse uh, racing slots will continue. Um, but what was disappointed is that the efforts to significantly increase the revenue committed to the state's general fund were not included with that effort. As we mentioned last week, Kentucky receives uh, a third to a fourth or of the revenue that other states get from similar gambling activity. And, and whoops, let me jump in here and say, it's not gambling, right? Because that's against the law. It's historic horse racing. It's not gambling, it's not slots, okay? It's not slots. Um, we signed on with a number of other progressive groups to urge the legislature to pass a bill to capture at least $100 million from the historic horse racing. And 
if you, uh, I feel like if you take a decal from a Chevy truck and put it on a Ford, I think you still got a Chevy truck. But the fact that they didn't raise it, I think was critical to passing the legislation. They had uh, house members that were on board. And the last thing I'll say about this, I understand that the horse industry, horse racing industry, and all the legislators said, we will commit to uh, raising those fees on the horse racing industry in January of 2022. And believe you me, Progress Kentucky is going to be there making sure that they do. Absolutely. Thank you, Doug. All right. So we've got our call to action now. It's a Frankfurt focused call to action. There is a new bill that's being uh, introduced and being uh, advanced by the Republicans in Frankfurt. Uh, they want to pick the next U.S. Senator is kind of what it comes down to. SB 228, uh, which got a little bit of coverage last week. It is a, a bill to change the current system, which has been in existence I think forever, uh, that if, they, if a senator, uh, U.S. senator, if that seat is at, uh, goes vacant during the term of the senator, like, you know, if somebody retires or somebody dies, you know, uh, then the governor appoints somebody to, to fill out the remainder of that, of that term. Apparently, a lot of Republicans in Frankfurt saw Mitch in his black hands uh, and uh, have gotten nervous that he might not see out the end of his uh, six-year term, and they really don't want Andy to pick the replacement. So this bill would absolutely upend the existing system and ensure that the uh, that the legislature uh, played uh, the you know, preeminent role in selecting who would uh, who would see, uh, fill out the remainder of that term. Which again, it's not broke. There's no need for this. It's just a power grab. It's just making sure that Andy doesn't have the ability to you know put in somebody rational and reasonable to uh, see out the end of the Grim Reaper's term. Uh, if he does, in fact, go to meet the Grim Reaper, uh, which, you know, that doesn't look that healthy. So I can see why they're a little bit nervous about it. But I do think that this is an overreach, which, of course, you know, it's not really an overreach. If they keep doing the exact thing, same thing over and over again, you know, that's just their MO. That's what they're doing in Frankfurt. You know, Republicans are trying to claw back every ounce of power possible from Andy Bashir, you know, who's just done a remarkable job of keeping us safe. So, yeah, why not just screw that up, huh, guys? All right, so that's what uh, the uh, the call to action is. So call those lovely, lovely people at the legislative comment line, the nicest humans you will ever talk to and give them your message. Reject SB 228, let Andy pick the next Senator if that's what it comes down to. Uh, stop your shameless power grab House Republicans. All right, so we, what we're doing now, we've got our uh, Doug Price is Right segment. He's going to do a bit of a deep dive on what's going on in Kentucky's impeachment. We talked a little bit about the federal impeachment we just finished up with. Now there's the Kentucky impeachment. Doug's going to do that. And then we're going to have our interview with State Representative George Brown Jr. Looking forward to both of those things. But right now we're going to throw it to uh, Doug Price is Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, hi, welcome to another edition of Doug Price is Right. The impeachment committee met this past Thursday afternoon and heard testimony from two college professors related to the Robert Goforth impeachment petition. 
Ultimately, this led to the petition being dismissed. As it turns out, a legislator cannot be impeached. The removal process for a legislature, legislator involves the members of his or her chamber removing based upon a two-thirds vote. During this meeting, the committee also did the following. They received an impeachment filing by Jeff Young and denied this one as out of order. They denied a petition from the Goforth and Cameron impeachment petitioners to call witnesses and questioning some of Nemus's actions, the chair. They approved a motion by Randall Daniel, who was one of the original Bashir petitioners to be removed from the petition. Chairman Nemus has made several references to this committee functioning like a courtroom. As an example of something that sounds like a courtroom rule, one of the committee members recused herself from deliberations and votes on the Bashir impeachment. Representative Angie Hatton informed the committee that she has a conflict of interest and would refrain from any decision made related to the Bashir impeachment inquiry. Buddy Wheatley will replace her during that particular impeachment petition discussion. Based on this action, I believe committee member Felicia Rayborn should recuse herself from any discussions on the Bashir impeachment petition. I reviewed her personal and campaign Facebook pages and found several instances where, in my mind, she indicated a personal bias toward Governor Bashir. These posts predate her appointment to the committee and were made prior to her swearing in as a representative, but seemed to be indicative of a strong bias against the governor. She said unchecked executive power is dangerous. The legislative branch that was elected to make laws has been pushed to the side by a governor empowered by a liberal judiciary and perhaps the most egregious. Mrs. Rayburn stated that she went to a rally in Frankfurt and joined a great lineup of speakers. We were there advocating for small businesses, religious freedom, schools, and liberty. She stated, thank you, Brood, for hosting this event on the steps of our beautiful capital. The owner of Brood is Andrew Cooperrider, who is one of the Bashir impeachment petitioners. Also, Mr. Cooperrider has posted on his Facebook page that he supports Rayburn's efforts on an unrelated bill. I believe that Representative Rayburn should recuse herself from any deliberations, votes on the Bashir impeachment petition. If she refuses to do this, then I believe the committee should weigh in on the situation. I believe any future votes on actions taken should always happen in open session. Based on this supposition, I believe Nemus should have the committee vote in public session as to whether Nemus should recuse himself from the Bashir impeachment inquiry. This vote will likely not result in removing him from the committee and or deliberations, but this should be a committee vote, not a one man vote by the chair. I believe that with over 90% of the discussion happening in closed session, this is not an indication of an open process. Plainly speaking, there should be more sunlight in the impeachment committee. Also better communication of future meeting dates and times. I understand this is difficult, like the next scheduled meeting is uh, tomorrow. That's not gonna happen. But again, I think sunlight is important. 
Progress Kentucky is sending the impeachment committee a letter with some of this information and asking that this letter be made a part of the official record of the committee. In a couple of weeks, I will provide an update on actions by the committee. All right, Doug Price is right uh, with that attention to the very important House Impeachment Committee. Uh, now we're very excited to welcome somebody who's going to have a, a far more, in, I mean, don't take this the wrong way, Doug, but more insights into the House Impeachment Committee, an actual member of the House Impeachment Committee, uh, Representative George Brown Jr. from the uh, 77th District uh, here in Lexington. Representative Brown, thank you so much for joining us this evening. How are you? Thank you very much for the invite. It's a pleasure to be with you. As I've listened to your conversation, it's very insightful. Uh, thank you for your points of view. Yeah, Doug, Doug is insightful. Me, I just, you know, I just weigh in on stuff. Okay. So, hey, we, I want to make sure you understand, this might be the first time you've watched Kernels of Truth or been involved with Kernels of Truth, formerly uh, Moscow Mitch Monday. So this was, uh, we were we were called Moscow Mitch Monday before Mitch won re-election. Uh, and, and now we are Kernels of Truth. And uh, we do not like to fashion ourselves as some sort of talking heads show, but instead, Representative Brown, we are a digital demonstration uh, for a more progressive and responsive uh, you know, political body here in Kentucky. So as such, I wanted to ask you, if you had a protest sign today, what would your protest sign say? Mm. To be honest with you, I hadn't thought about a protest sign, but um, I, I would say, um, probably take back Kentucky. That is an excellent one. That is a good one. Right, right there. Just, you know, cold came up with uh, take back Kentucky. I'm into it. So, Hey, what is it? What's it like serving on this, this house house impeachment committee? How has that been going for you? Uh, it's um, stressful. Um, a lot of legalese, um, the very little that you can say a lot more listening and listening to, um, the law and and statutes that relate to uh, impeachment and and in dealing with the various um, branches of government and how all that works. And it seems like and Representative Nemes, I think, uh, the chair of this thing has said, you know, at the beginning, and Doug called this out earlier, you know, that this was going to be the most transparent impeachment in history. Uh, and then I think proceeded to of the 12 hours that y'all have met 11 of those hours have been behind closed doors and in secret committee so that I don't know what the standard is but it seems to me 11 out of 12 hours uh, kind of in, behind closed doors is not terribly transparent uh, is there anything you can tell us that's going on behind the scenes without getting yourself into trouble but what how is this shaken out like what's the conversation you know, besides the legalese part of it what what does the politics feel like from your from your view let me just tell you i have to be very careful what i say and i think uh, you no, all, one, no one watches us it's okay it's okay no, I, no yeah somebody watches. will watch somebody is watching <laughs> what is happening <laughs> just 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 to be clear i understand that as, as we neighbor, don't want you to as, get in trouble no one wants you to get into trouble no well the thing is is that you want me in a position to be able to vote so i have to be careful about recusing or having to recuse by something that i said so what i will just tell you is that it's very intense the discussions are intense and it is taking or attempting to take into consideration all sides of the uh, impeachment question or questions. 
and in looking at the um, um, the the charges, if you will, um, to try to look at their constitutionality and try to figure out how those relate and what it is that should be kept in or kept out. Um, so that's 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 where we are. So that's as much as I really will say. I, I spoke to some members earlier and said I would not say anything. The impeachment word would not come out of my mouth. So thank you for, for staying with me and allowing me to keep that trust. Absolutely. We do at, not at, at some point, though, at some point, Aaron, I hope to be able to come back and, and, and tell everything I know. All right. We will, we will definitely book that. Thank you so much. Doug, any question uh, for the representative? Uh, sure. We, we really appreciate you being here, and we really appreciate your service. I know that uh, these days, being in the legislature with the uh, Republican supermajority is uh, has got to be tough. I understand there have been no Democratic bills that have been assigned to committees and that kind of thing. Uh, as I understand, you've been in the legislature for, uh, what, five or six years? This and is my seventh year. This is my fourth term. Okay, seventh year. So you've seen some changes and I, I can't imagine that what is going on these days is, is something that is very enjoyable whatsoever. You all spoke a, oh, a minute ago about the three-day posting and, and that all comes from, from the, the rules that are put in place by the majority party. And what people must understand, and I hope, I'm gonna say this loud and clear, is that elections have consequences. That, that, that the party that is, has the majority is in control of everything. They, um, they decide on the committee chairs, um, the vice chairs and the members of the committee based on the numbers. And basically they pass whatever it is they want and their agenda passes through, the majority's agenda passes. I was only in the General Assembly in the 15 and 16 session when the Democrats were had a slim majority and uh, it was a whole lot better then than it has been since uh, 2017. Uh, 2017, Frankfurt flipped and, and everything turned topsy-turvy in Kentucky. And I would just like to say that, that, that citizens in the Commonwealth of Kentucky uh, are not being well served, particularly the, 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 the black and brown folk in our state and poor people in our state are being, not being well served in my opinion by the people that are in Frankfurt. Um, the, you mentioned the HHR, the, 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 the uh, horse racing uh, and the slots. See, I mean, to me, that's a very easy vote. I mean, and we should not even have to debate that. The, 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 the bill for putting gaming on the ballot to change the Kentucky constitution to allow gaming is, is, is one that the Republicans, especially once, I mean, when we had the majority, we tried to push that through, but it always got derailed in the Senate. But it would make sense to me that gaming is something that Kentuckians wanna do. If they can't do gaming in Kentucky, they go to Indiana, they go to Ohio, they go to uh, Missouri, West Virginia, Tennessee, and all the money goes out of our state. There's the big sucking sound out of Kentucky that goes to those all our neighbors. So it just doesn't make sense. And if Kentuckians want it and they want to spend money on gambling, I think we as a, as a legislature should give them the opportunity. Uh, I, I certainly agree with you. It's something the people, we are the people. Right. And we the people should get that opportunity to vote on that uh, constitutional amendment. And to change the Constitution, it has to go before the people. 
Uh, Doug, I thank you. I want to thank you for bringing to my attention, and I know it's I know it's on our on our radar screen, but SB two twenty eight, an act relating to vacancy in Congress. Um, we'll do the best we can to address that, but but we have to understand and know that the numbers are not in our favor. They're 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 bad out of whack for us. So um, we cannot even uphold a veto, right? We cannot like we no. veto it and. They'll just overturn the veto, right? The, right. The numbers are exactly. Tough, tough numbers. Well, thank you for being there, for doing the work. Kimberly, do you have a question for the representative? I sure do. Thank you, representative, for being with us tonight. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet um, you. My question is, if we were totally uh, the majority, what are some of the things that would be voted on, uh, brought up in session? And then I have another question, two-part question to that, that I'm very interested in. You being a black man in the legislature, I know it has to be hard, as Doug said before, being around so many Republicans, but being a black man around all of these QAnon uh, Republicans uh, in the House, how do, you know, what would we be bringing up as Democrats, as majority, and how, how does it feel? How do you cope? Um, first, your first question. What would I? What bills would I personally like to see brought forward? Um, I would think right now, in light of uh, the civil unrest that happened this summer, um, uh, an act relating to House Bill 21, an act relating to public protection, Brianna's law. I think that is something that that, that certainly should be addressed early on. I have a bill that's not going to see the light of day, House Bill 80, an act relating to public protection, uh, or, or, or actually an act relating to gun safety for children. It's called the Baby Dre Safety Act. And, you know, when you think about the, the, the fact that a child gets a hold of a loaded gun and they don't have the power in the trigger finger to pull the trigger pointing away from them, what they do is they turn it to themselves. And what they do is that they push the trigger. And, you know, I mean, what happens is they shoot themselves. And it's an ugly thought. So I've got that bill. And, and, and then... Uh, uh, an act relating to, uh, and actually it's a full employment bill uh, relating to criminal histories of job applicants. It's called Ban the Box. Uh, the Criminal Records uh, Employment Discrimination Act that, that I would think that makes common sense. We're talking about not having, uh, having a workforce problem in Kentucky. We've got all these people who have had, got a felony and have that, that, that um, F on their forehead and can't be employed, I won't be employed by, by the powers that be in our state. And we have a ready, willing, and able workforce. I mean, a, a, a crime in your youth should not be a life sentence. Uh, your, last, your second question of what it's like to come into a chamber where there are people that see the color of your skin first and they see the party that you represent second, uh, for me, is that, that I hold my head up every day and I walk in with a smile on my face and in my heart. And I, 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 I like to say that I, I am intelligent. I have the ability and I look the part and I don't embarrass myself or the people that I represent. That, that seems very clear. Uh, yeah, you were not, yeah, I'm not in the 77th district, I'm in the 88th, but uh, I definitely would have no problem with you as a representative, Representative Brown. Uh, good luck there in Frankfurt. Yeah. Uh, let me just let me, let me just give a plug for my friend before you leave. Please. The representative that you can vote for, uh, Sherlyn Stevenson, is outstanding and is is very representative of the 88th Legislative House District. 
So I, I mean, my friend, Sherlyn, very prepared all the time on top of everything that is going on in the General Assembly. So very well represented. But let me tell you, let, let me just say this in closing, is that 44, approximately 44,000 people in the Commonwealth can vote for me in my district. But I represent 4.4 million Kentuckians. I am a representative for everybody in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. That sounds great. And just to be clear, I love Sherilyn. She was on our show last week. So uh, yes, I 100% uh, am excited to vote for her. Uh, but I think, you know, seems like both of you <laughs> have, uh, have some views of legislation that should be advanced and are having a tough time there in this current uh, current political reality. And I think, you know, all I know is that we need to do better that we need to uh, fight and win for our ideas. Cause I don't know who's going to vote, you know, who's going to reject what you just laid out there, you know, some common sense gun safety, you know, common sense for employment uh, folks who, you know, made some mistakes in their past that shouldn't, they shouldn't carry around with them for their entire life. Brianna's, you know, built like, these are all things that people, I think these are popular ideas, right? Uh, so we need to get out there and make sure people know what's at stake and they shouldn't just follow the, you know, R versus D versus whatever. Uh, they should actually know what the policies are that they're supporting. Because, uh, you know, if you look at Frankfurt, you like what's going on there right now. I mean, I guess you should be happy. But who's who, who looks at what's happening in Frankfurt and is proud of our legislature, right? Like, it's just this crazy power grabs uh, and they're just attacking the governor. Like, how is that a legislative strategy? Unfortunately, we have our people are not paying attention. And, and it's not just them that are being hurt, in my opinion, it's their children and future generations. I just said on an interview yesterday that the bills we pass or don't pass today will have an impact on the quality of life 100 years from now. And that's how I view it. I view it as a, from, a, from, from a, a, a holistic and a broader point of view. It's not just about right now. It's not just who we see right now. It's about what Kentucky is going to be down the road. And that's what drives me as well, Kimberly. I, 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 that, is, that is truly what drives me. Thank you. So any final thoughts you want to leave us with? But thank you so much for your time this evening. Well, thank you all for having me. And, and hopefully we can collaborate and work on some things going forward. I look forward to uh, your assistance and, and your help and, and, and the listeners that are following you. Um, or following Progress Kentucky, and that we can certainly move to progress Kentucky and move Kentucky forward. Thank you very much. There are people like you that, that make the job worth, worth doing and gives me the incentive to get up and go to work every day. All right. We got your back, Representative Brown, for sure. Thank you. All right. Have a great night. All right. All right so now we're moving on. It is Black History Month, of course. So we have got Kimberly, who is going to share with us a little bit of a history of a, a very uh, impressive Kentuckian uh, and very much in the thread of you know the, our, our talk of legislators and, and what's been going on there in Frankfurt. Uh, tell us, Kimberly, who have you chose to spotlight for us this week? I chose to spotlight May Street Kid. A lot of people may not have heard about her. You've probably heard about uh, Senator Georgia Powers, uh, many other trailblazers in Kentucky. But I wanted to spend the time, just a few moments, to talk about May Street Kid. She was not only just a trailblazer, she was a businesswoman also. And she provided a very vivid example of the power of voting. Just like Representative Brown said, you know, there are consequences on your vote. And the people voted her in, which was great, 
for Kentucky. And not only that, she was a woman. I knew her personally, actually, from the time I was very, very young. She was very, very good friends with my grandmother. And I would see uh, Miss Kidd on numerous of occasions. I always remember her wearing her furs and how beautiful she was. And I did not know at the time that she um, was of mixed race. And she was always just so classy and elegant, but she was a shark. She stood up for what was right and she was gonna continue to stand up for what was right. Actually, she was born here in Kentucky in 1904. Uh, she passed on in 1999 and she worked as a sales agent. She went on to work for Mammoth Life Accident Insurance Company, which was one of the few black owned insurance companies in the, in the country. But the corporate offices were here in Louisville, Kentucky. She was a self-supporting single woman of color in 1925. Her biography recounts the discrimination that she encountered throughout her life. Um, she was quoted as saying that she couldn't use the main public library, but and she could not go to the first run of movies that they showed on 4th Street here in Louisville, Kentucky. So she worked herself uh, way up in the company, becoming a supervisor of policy issues. She was married and widowed, and she served as assistant director of a service club for Black American soldiers in England during the World War II. And she also came back, she returned to the company as a public relations counselor, a position that she designed for herself. And that gives us a lot of hope that sometimes you got to go to a company and say, hey, you need to create this position for me. She wasn't afraid. She was fearless. She joined Kentucky's General Assembly in 1968. She was just one of three African-Americans in the legislature at the time. And the first bill that she brought up and she sponsored was the Kentucky Fair Housing Act. And um, back at that time, um, there was a lot of racial discrimin discrimination when it came to trying to find a house or trying to find an apartment. And how we look at things now is like, how could that ever happen? Well, it's because of May Street Kid that it's not happening in Kentucky. And she made also, she was uh, the first Kentuckian and the first one of Southern states to have this particular bill. She also sponsored legislation to name Martin Luther King's birthday a state holiday. So when you're getting that state pay, not the federal pay, but the state pay on that day, you have to thank May Street Kid. She worked day and night to get bills approved. When bills passed, she cried and many others cried with tears of joy. And it also, the Fair Housing Act and the Martin Luther King state holiday were very hard to put through, but it was a milestone for Kentucky. In the mid 70s, she learned a little known historical fact that Kentucky had never ratified the 13th, 14th or 15th amendments in the US constitution, which abolished slavery and gave US citizens and the vote to African-Americans. So she was determined that she was gonna correct this oversight and she did that. She launched a campaign in 1976 some were not born at that time, but uh, she had the amendments officially ratified. It passed unanimously. So when you're thinking about uh, slavery is abolished in Kentucky, you can think May Street Kid in 1976. So also, you know, she spent 17 years 
in the Kentucky General Assembly promoting civil and human rights, housing and equality. May Street Kids served as an example of the power of the vote to produce leaders who will work for lasting social change. So when you're thinking about things that we take for granted here in Kentucky, a lot of these things that we take for granted, a trailblazer, a businesswoman, and a very savvy legislator, May Street Kid, and we honor her for Black History Month. Back to you, Erin. That that was fantastic. Thank you so much, Kimberly. I did not had not uh, had not heard of her. Uh, learned an awful lot just now. Really a phenomenal human, phenomenal Kentuckian, and what a great leader. Uh, thank you uh, again for sharing that. All right, so uh, that is, I think, about the end of the show. Kimberly is going to close us out, but I did want to just say really, really quickly, uh, thanks again for Representative Brown, uh, to Representative Brown for joining us. Uh, thanks everyone who's engaged, been, uh, been reading the chat with a bit of a chuckle, uh, some great, great supporters there online. And if you like what we're doing, please do share it. Uh, you know, we want to get the views up. I think what we're doing here is, uh, I'm not just saying this because, you know, uh, I'm biased, although I'm horribly biased, but I think we, uh, I think we do a good job and uh, Ken makes it look cool. So uh, if you like it, share it. All right. Uh, Kimberly, can you please close us out this week? Sure. Uh, first of all, just thank you to everyone that watches and listens to us every week. We really appreciate it. And next week, you have to make sure that you're joining us because we're going to be talking about organization efforts, about boots on the ground and a strategy. Like, how do we build an army in support of smarter, smarter, more progressive policies in Kentucky. So we'll be joined by Progress Kentucky's organizing chair, Kit O'Connor, and we'll have an interview with Robert Kane. I hope I said his name correctly. Did I say his name correctly, Aaron? Okay, well. <laughs> he's going to be on uh, next week. He's the host of my old Kentucky podcast, one of my favorite podcasts. So I'm really excited about that. And are you ready to help Kentucky turn blue? Yes, you are. We've got to start somewhere. So join Progress Kentucky. We're very close to 4,000 likes on Facebook. So please, I'm begging, I'm begging you, begging you, begging you to tell all your friends, invite all your friends and make us go up to 4,000. We don't have that much to go. So I know you can help us. You've been very loyal to us and we appreciate that. Also, um, find one thing on our Facebook page, okay? Find one thing and, and share it out. You know, tag some friends, let them know what's going on. Uh, you learn a lot on this show about Kentucky and we're gonna continue to bring you this type of content. So you know you want your friends and your family to know. So, you know, you got something to talk about. And then also hit us up on Act Blue. It is so important that we have funds to continue this effort. Uh, we have been successful so far and it's only because of you. So you see the link on the, on the screen, go to Act Blue and give today, give whatever you can. We really, really appreciate you. I know I keep saying that, but we truly do. We truly do appreciate you. It could not be happening at this point without you. Always, always, always. Every week I'm gonna talk about him, Ken Howe of Couchfire Media. I mean, like, doesn't it look great, you guys? 
then the show looked wonderful. And it's all because of Ken Howe at Couchfire Media. Uh, you know, Couchfire Media, they ignite multi-camera, live stream, fiction narrative, nonfiction educational, informative am animation, and commercial video production content. So set your content on fire, poof, with Couchfire Media. Yes, Ken, you owe me some money for that infomercial that I did. Did you like that? Poof. Yeah. Okay. I liked it. And always thank you, Nate, for the songs. I mean, we got it going on over here with Kernels of Truth. And you can listen to more music from Nate at natosongs.com. Make sure you follow and watch uh, many of our co-hosts are doing wonderful work outside of Progress Kentucky, such as Miss Denise Gray with Kentucky Conversations. She was on last night with a great show on the Kentucky Democratic Party reorganization. You can watch the replay on Bluegrass Activist Alliance Facebook page, or you can look at it on Denise Gray's public figure page. And of course, I would be amiss if I didn't tell you that every Sunday at one o'clock, you can watch the Jones Report with Mike Broyer, Betsy Foster, Ken Howe, he's our producer as well. So, you know, we're looking good too. And of course, your host, me, Kimberly Cecil Jones. And uh, you can look at us every Sunday at 1 p.m. on the Facebook page, The Jones Report Radio Program. Um, also, I'd just like to say thank you to Representative George Brown, representing the 77th uh, District. We learned a lot from him tonight. And thank you once again to Doug Price, Ken Howe, Nate Orshan, and Annabelle doing our social media. And of course, to our host, Aaron Viles. And we'll see you next week. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>